Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Croft. Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you as we begin another day of what we hope is important discussions about stuff that really affects your life. Political stuff. How you can use them. These issues and the way we talk about them to change your world. By having those relevant and persuasive conversations with people who are persuadable in your world. Whatever world that may be. Oregon Firearms Federation is being sued by its own lawyer. For legal fees. Yes, you heard me right. The law firm representing Oregon Firearms Federation has sued them because they owe them $66,000 in legal costs. So what impact will this have? Will they, does this, I mean, you know, they're only one of four lawsuits against Measure 114, but it is significant because it points out something that's so important. This is where you and I come in. There are no big companies, no big organizations, no unions, no trial lawyers or anybody else with lots of money helping the Oregon Firearms Federation. There are no big national organizations coming in to help the Oregon Firearms Federation. It's up to us, folks. Will you help? I'm going to. I hope you will be, too. There is other news about, uh, and thanks to Jim, I think it was, that sent this to me. Um, In New York State, there is a, uh, well, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear a federal lawsuit to stop a New York new law about concealed carry. And it has an impact on us. And it has an impact on what is happening in California and what will likely may come out of this particular legislative session here in Oregon. Gun dealers in New York asked for a new New York law called the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. It's anything but. Now, you see, now, the background to this is, is last year, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the state's previous law. So then the state modifies it, repasses it. 
the U.S. Supreme Court said, nah, we're, we're not going to we're not going to jump in here. Much of what is going to happen in New York State is kind of what's happening here with Measure 114. Even though Justice Clarence Thomas in June of 2022 wrote the opinion that struck down New York's prior concealed carry law, saying that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home, even though the new law that they refused, even Justice Thomas refused to get involved in, prohibits carrying a gun in sensitive areas, quote-unquote, stadiums, houses of worship, museums, parks, and other public places, imposes revised record-keeping and new safety requirements on retailers, and mandates background checks, listen to this, for all ammunition purchases. Now, Jim wrote me an email about this, and he said, this is precedence. Supreme Court announced yesterday it wouldn't entertain an injunction from New York gun owners who are challenging the state's new restrictions on the concealed carry of firearms. That just green-lighted blue states like Oregon to do whatever the blank they want with concealed carry. Or am I thinking wrong? Well, no, you're not. But here's the difference, folks. What they refused to do was to grant an injunction to stop this new law from taking effect. They have filed lawsuits against this new law. That lawsuit will still go forward. The same thing is true here in Oregon with what Judge Immergant did with the Oregon Firearms Federation lawsuit on the in the federal side of things. That lawsuit's still going forward. She refused to grant an injunction to put it, a temporary restraining order and a permanent injunction. They're different things, but they work together. This is the same thing that just happened in New York. So no, it doesn't green light for Oregon to do whatever they want with concealed carry. Although it may look like it on the face of it, that's not what's happening here. Now, the fly in that ointment is this. A judge grants a temporary restraining order or a per preliminary injunction when they believe. Now, this is the judge. And judges, as you know, have their own um, political agendas, shall we say. Their own viewpoints. They have to believe, and you've heard me say this, and this is really important, they have to believe, the judges, that the underlying lawsuit is going to be successful for them to grant a temporary restraining order or a permanent injunction, as the Harney County judge has done regarding the constitutionality and other elements of Measure 114 with Oregon's constitution, not the federal. 
So the issues that are going to come and I think will come out of this upcoming legislation, such as record-keeping laws that amount to an unconstitutional gun registry, background checks for ammunition purchases. All of that's coming, folks. All of it. You know, Oregon, Measure 114 does something different than what this does. I mean, it's even worse, I would argue, in that it requires a permit to just go buy a gun. But I will guarantee you that even though you have a right to buy, a Second Amendment right to buy a gun and to carry it outside the home for personal defense, that can still be limited. The Supreme Court has allowed your right for to carry a gun to protect yourself outside the home to be limited in certain places, like, for instance, a federal courthouse, county courthouse. But the so what's happening here is the left never stops. The anti-gun crowd that doesn't want you to have the right to protect yourself because it's all part of the Marxist agenda to take over the world. That crew, that group of people will never stop. It is what we're hearing. It's the same philosophy by the same people coming out of Davos right now. It's the same thing. It's no different. Death by a thousand cuts is what's occurring here. And, as, and I'm going to tie all this back to Oregon Firearms Federation, their lawyer having to sue them for money. Because it's expensive to fight these courts, these laws rather, in the courts. It costs money. And unless you have lawyers willing to do it, at least pro bono or at greatly reduced rates, it's going to be very expensive. This particular lawyer charges them $500 an hour. That's pretty expensive. They're going to do death by a thousand cuts against us by constantly passing these laws in blue states like Oregon, like California, like New York. And that's their knowing that we don't have all, all the money to, to defend this stuff, the constant assault on our right, our human right to defend ourselves. They also are going to try, and this is the danger that will come out of, I believe, this next legislative session here in Oregon, the one that just got started Tuesday, that we will have to have background checks go buy ammunition. Now, that's already an element of a federal lawsuit that came out of California law. It's going to happen here. You wait. This is why I say to you, if you value your right of liberty, reason we have the right of liberty and why the left and why Davos and the world's elites and the communists want to take it from us, is because we have the right to defend ourselves with a gun, and they know it. They have to take that right away. Only you have to look at history to know why. Every society that has taken away firearms, the right for the people to defend themselves with them, 
has gone communist. Every one. It ain't a good thing. And that's why we have to defend ourselves. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up about where this show is headed. Because we are going to focus a lot in the coming weeks on legislation, as we should, to let you know about it, what's going on. Next week, I'm going to have an interview with Senator Brian Boquist. Brian and I are friends. We serve together. Uh, we are, he is going to share with us the story of Tina Kotek's secret plan to force the legislature to take your kicker. And there's a way it's going to be done. It's a not-so-secret plan, but it is a secret plan because it involves all of the court rulings, the Oregon Supreme Court rulings that have enabled a governor to spend money that the legislature doesn't authorize. I'll tell you more about that in the coming days. But Brian Boquist is going to explain it to us. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Back in a moment, folks, at 620. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. 22 minutes past the top of the hour. Great to have you back with us. 503-589-1220 is that Power Buick GMC talk line. 503-589-1220 and emails to jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. There was... So Political Coffee, as you know, we have the Political Coffee Clatch. We have a Telegram page, Political Coffee Clatch, Clatch with a C, C C-L-A-T-C-H, Political Coffee Clatch. You can find us there. You can find lots of interesting things. We are going to start holding meetings again, probably uh, beginning uh, in February. We may need to change the night so that we can meet quietly inside the honky-tonk bar and grill. Diana and her crew, we want to support them because they are staunch defenders, as you know, of liberty. Your liberty. My liberty. And so we may need to change the night from Tuesday night. Uh, Anna from Oregon People's Vote is is reached agreement with them uh, maybe to move to Monday night. So those of you involved with the political coffee clutch, I, I just want to take a quick poll. Uh, Monday night's a night when things are really quiet in there and we can hold a meeting in the back inside where it's nice and warm. We can still have great restaurant service and great food. I want to know if that works for you or as an alternative to Monday nights, what about Saturday afternoon? 
which one of those would work for you? I'm just I'm asking you that because I kind of want to take an informal poll to know which direction that we want to go. We are going to continue to work with Oregon People's Vote to focus on elections in Oregon. Because there's another story today that actually came out yesterday in the Western Journal. I brought you that story about how um, in Alabama, a uh, county has decided to go away from the computerized voting machines and going back to paper balloting. Now, Mike Lindell had been there. And in fact, if, if you read his latest missive and heard him yesterday, he met with the Alabama Secretary of State and presented all of their data to them. So a, a county in Alabama has decided to no longer use the vote counting, the computerized vote counting machines, tabulation machines, and to go back to paper balloting. We're going to keep talking about that. Well, there's another story today about a local race flipped two months after it was decided. Where? In New Jersey, folks. Because the they decided to do an internal investigation by the Monmouth County Board of Elections. See, the problem wasn't the vendor ESNS, and we use a lot of ESNS systems here in Oregon. The problem wasn't ESNS founded. The problem was that they decided to do an investigation. And they found that the system did it wrong. Now, that's just it in a nutshell. It's more complicated than that. But my point to you is that a local race has to be flipped from the winner to the loser. Why? Because somebody checked the machines and the machine was wrong. 60 days after the election, after the new person got sworn in, they have to do it over again. Well, folks, I go to Carrie Lake's election. This gives her, I think it just gives her, makes her argument stronger in the Arizona Supreme Court. We'll see. Curtis writes a text saying he can do Monday nights for the political coffee clatch at the Honky Tonk Bar and Grill. What about you guys? Corby writes an email, says, what a question. What's and what what our excuse? We are supposedly armed, but we have allowed our country to be overthrown and occupied. We need to stop saying we're losing our country and start admitting the truth. We've already lost our country. The question is, can we ever get it back? All right, Corby, how would we get it back? Is it going to lead to armed revolution? A lot of people think so. Is that where we're headed? We'll see. And in fact, there's a new challenge, and I'll get to that in a second, but I want to thank uh, Rebecca Donaldson for being one of our longtime sponsors. 
If you're looking for a home, new or a used home, or pre-owned home, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, condo, doesn't matter, whatever, you should really check out Rebecca Donaldson because she really is good at what she does. 503-269-0747. Check out her website, rebeccasgothouses.com. Rebeccasgothouses.com. There is another lawsuit filed to the new Illinois assault weapons ban. And it seems, at least according to this article by Margot Cleveland in The Federalist, it seems that it is teed up to make the U.S. Supreme Court, which has been sidestepping the constitutionality of assault weapons and large capacity magazine bans for years. This one is a direct assault on that. It has been challenged now in federal court. This relates to Oregon, folks, because we have the large capacity magazine ban as part of Measure 114, don't we? It's 6.30. Back in a moment with other things that are important, too, in your phone calls. Don't go away. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. It is 23 minutes before the top of the hour. Great to have you back with us. 503-589-1220 is that Power Buick GMC talk line. Here's what we're talking about. Elections matter, folks. All of the gun bills that I just laid out in the first half hour of this show that are that happened in New York State, the challenge to that, that the U.S. Supreme Court, the new concealed carry law, after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the old one, the new one, they've not. It's been sued. Okay? There's a federal lawsuit. They declined to put a temporary restraining order on it much like Measure 114 here. And the Illinois recently passed and signed into law the assault weapons ban, which also has has a 10-round capacity magazine um, ban on it also. It is clearly destined to go to the U.S. Supreme Court and force the U.S. Supreme Court, which, at least according to Margot Cleveland in the Federalist article about this today, they have been sidestepping the issue of what is assault weapons and large-capacity ammunition magazines. This one will likely force them to finally rule on it after all. What's the common theme here? Then I'm going to get to a couple of other stories in a moment, but just, just for a moment, think to yourself. How did all these laws happen? Because legislators passed them. How do legislators get elected? Well, during elections and campaigns, right? Elections matter, folks. Get it? This is why we focus on it. 
Now, I'm asking you, those of you who've attended the political coffee clutch. Thank you, Fred. Fred's a listener. He's the guy who suggested it. We met many times prior to the election at the Honky Tonk Bar and Grill. We want to continue to meet at the Honky Tonk Bar and Grill, but we're moving probably to a different day so we can be inside in the warmth during the winter and the cool during the summer. But on a different night or maybe Saturday afternoon. So I'm asking you, those of you who attend, would you want to meet on a Monday evening when it's quiet and nothing else is really going on or a Saturday afternoon? Which works better for you? Because we have to stay focused on elections, folks. Everything that's happening bad in America and what is going to come out of this coming elect legislative session that started this last Tuesday here in Oregon, everything that comes out of it is a result of elections. This is why we have to stay at it. Now, Mark writes an email. If you want to send an email, it's jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. Gary, I want you, if you're listening, Gary, I need you to call in so I can ask you the question. Here's what he wrote. And I don't know the answer to this. I can speculate. This is about the COVID shot. He said, Mark writes, yesterday on your program, Gary mentioned that a COVID shot recipient's DNA may be changed. I've heard this before. My question is this. Would this make anyone's DNA on file before the shot no longer valid post-shot for identification? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Would this make, if it changes your DNA, would this make your DNA on file before the shot no longer valid post-shot for identification. Many times, certainly in criminal trials, DNA is used to convict criminals. You know, even though it wasn't used to convict, you know, that blue stained dress, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton, is DNA. How about the uh, guy arrested for the alleged killer of the four Idaho college students? His DNA was found. Different DNA. It's a great question. Because DNA, as you know, is, is unique to each of us, you and I. Would it be changed with the shot significantly that you could no longer prove that it's the same person? Maybe in a criminal trial. Or maybe in the identification of a dead person. Say there's an airline crash and you're trying to determine whose body belongs to who based on DNA. What if the DNA has changed? It's an interesting question. Gary, if you're listening, ponder that and call in. 503-589-1220 is that Power Buick GMC talk line. 503-589-1220. Emails to jeff at 1220.am. I also warned you that next week... <laughs> not a warning. It's, it's an opportunity for you to understand 
Tina Kotek's secret plan to force the Oregon legislature, to force the Oregon legislature to steal your kicker. And it's all based on what the Oregon Supreme Court in a convoluted ruling said that allows a governor to spend money unconstitutionally because it hasn't been allocated by the legislature. In Oregon's constitution, that's what has to happen. I know that. I sat on Ways and Means for all eight years I served in the Oregon House of Representatives. Governors, state agencies can't spend money unless the legislature specifically authorizes it. Separation of powers. But yet the Oregon Supreme Court, in their convoluted ruling, giving Kate Brown all kinds of emergency powers, said she could. Therein lies the problem. Brian Boquist, state senator who was a Republican, is now an independent, is going to join us next week to tell you what that is. Now, I go back to elections. Elections matter, don't they? Justina Kotek is now Kate Brown on steroids or on crack, as my buddy Greg Clapper used to say. Elections matter because it affects you in other ways. There's a story today in the Willamette Week about how I'll just read you the headline and then I'll just tell you the gist of it. Oregon is 49th in the nation when it comes to having hospital beds or rehabbing beds for patients who have brain injuries. And powerful interests want to keep it that way. Huh? Why is that good for anybody? Well, it's all about money, isn't it? Always is. And it's all about who gets money from powerful interests that give money to legislators, to campaigns. Notice the theme here? Elections matter. Two of the biggest players in Oregon healthcare, is the subheadline, have spent the last four years blocking new hospitals. Wasn't that part of the problem? We don't have enough hospital beds. Why Kate Brown said we had to lock down our economy. We had to shut you out of your church, out of your school. Because there's not enough hospital beds. Why is that? Well, because powerful interests who give a lot of money to legislators have filed suit and have stopped new beds from becoming available. According to this article, that's it. This couple in Oregon had a son who was on a climbing accident. Young man, he fell, has a, was 24, had a brain injury due to a rock climbing accident, okay? They had to send him to Colorado because there were no, not enough beds available here in Oregon. They had to send him to Colorado. Apparently 13,500 Oregonians a year, each year in Oregon, end up in the hospital with traumatic 
brain injuries. And at least 45,000, again, according to this article, live with chronic long-term effect on brain injury. Vehicle crashes, assaulted, shot, who knows, sports injuries, all of that. They usually go to a hospital first and then to specialty hospitals, inpatient rehabilitation facilities. The biggest medical player, according to this article, in Portland is Legacy Health. And it hasn't expanded its 36-bed rehabilitation institute for more than a dozen years. Why? And there's another group, the Rest Homes. They have been fighting for years to keep, to stop any expansion. Why? I'll get to that on the other side of the break. It's because they give a lot of money to a legislators. Elections matter, folks. This might impact you. Back in a moment at 648. Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp. It's 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Great to have you back with us. Last segment for today. Folks, if you are cold in your home, because the cold nights are coming back, we're going to get back to freezing here very soon. Why don't you call Freedom Heating and Air and they'll fix it so you're no longer cold, but you're warm. Maybe you got that same problem in your business. You really owe it to yourself to call one of the very best companies in the entire Mid-Valley area. It's been here 50 years because they put emergency services and quality of their work above all else. That's Freedom Heating and Air. They can come out if you call them right away. They'll assess your issue, explore the options with you, and go get it fixed. Give them a call, 503-580-1456, 580-1456. Check out their website, freedomheatingandair.net, freedomheatingandair.net. Washington and Clackamas counties in Oregon are amongst the largest counties in America without a single rehab bed. This article shows the table. The 20 largest counties in the U.S. with no rehab beds. Number two on the list is Washington County, Oregon. 604,000 people. And then number nine is Clackamas County at 421,000 people. So why is it that this family which needed to bring their son who had fallen out of state back to Oregon to give him the rehab treatment. There were no beds available. That's why. So they had to go to Colorado. How could this happen? Why is Oregon so bad? Well, the argument from the other side is that in 1971, Oregon lawmakers passed a law, elections matter, that said 
Any new health care facility or program has to obtain a certificate of need. This allows some people to push back and say, no, we don't need it. This is where spreading money around the legislature becomes, well, comes into play. Same is true with psychiatric hospitals. You see, there are people, there are systems who have a lot of money. They get a lot of money. If they protect their little area of politics when it comes to laws. And the story goes on to give several examples. Well, Legacy argues, as does the Oregon Healthcare Association, which represents the rest homes, if you will, assisted care facilities, that, hey, we have lots of occupancy. Back during some of these applications, when we objected, the occupancy was only 73%. And Providence's occupancy was only 31%. We've got plenty of patient capacity. The CEO of the Rest Homes, the Oregon Healthcare Association, said, well, the health authority used bad math in evaluating the need for more beds. They didn't accurately calculate it. So then how could this family then be denied bringing their son because there were no beds if what you guys say is true? It's all about that. It's all about competition, folks. That's what the OHCA and Legacy worried would happen. That new competition would strip mine patients from private insurance or Medicare to pay a higher rate of reimbursement than Medicaid, which they're saddled with. All of this happened because of elections. I saw this a lot in my years in the legislature. It goes on and on and on, but folks, the bottom line is if we do not have elections we can trust, ain't nothing good going to come out of this for you eventually. And this is just one of many examples. Let's go to the phones. 503-589-1220 is the power of Buick GMC. Talkland, we'll start with Tim. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, just a quick discussion on uh, gun control. Sure. Uh, they're either proactive or reactive, and the people who want uh, gun control, they're proactive, and they control the dialogue. They do not include safety. They don't include the increase in crime. They don't include uh, the reduction in resource officers in schools, and they don't talk about what we've done with the police force. All they do is talk about Second Amendment, and or that's all we do too. So I, I respectfully disagree with you, and okay. here's why: the Lift Every Voice, who passed Measure One Fourteen, used the emotional argument 
of crime, of the Charleston loophole, as it's called, of blaming all of the shootings, the massive increase in shootings, mostly in Portland, but other places too, in Oregon, blaming them on just having too many guns and that concealed carry holders are the problem. They use the emotional argument. It wasn't about the Second Amendment. In fact, they have to stay away from the Second Amendment. They use the illegal, they use the argument that illegal actions on part of gangbangers and others as a result of public policy decisions made by the Portland City Council to defund the Portland cops has allowed the gangbangers to dramatically start shooting each other again. So they have used the argument of illegal activity to constrict the rights of legal activity. That's an emotional argument. They have to stay away from the Second Amendment argument, the right to defend yourself. That's guaranteed in our Constitution because it works against their emotional argument, Tim. Do you not agree? I agree with you. I just think that we don't respond to that. We All, all we do is use the Second Amendment as the reason to have that weapon. You're right. Shouldn't we, though? It, look, if, if the other side uses the emotional argument to be effective, shouldn't we be using the emotional argument on the other side of the equation to be effective? Yes. Why don't we? It's a fair question. And it's very frustrating to me. Because we, well, I, I go back to something, Tim, I say all the time, and you know this because you've heard me say it for years. It's Sergeant Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. Not anymore. You want to win elections? You've got to emotionalize it. It's not just the facts anymore. That's the problem, Tim. We still haven't figured that out on our side. We talk about the Second Amendment. We don't emotionalize the Second Amendment right to defend yourself. It's a great question. Tim, thanks. Folks, thanks for joining us today. I'm back tomorrow for Freedom Friday.